This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning Australian-made butterfly maternity pillow, which we are personally huge fans of. We certainly are. We love that it's multi-use and you can use it during your pregnancy and breastfeeding journey, but also that it comes with a removable tensile cover for easy care and comfort. And they sell out every time at the One Fine Baby Expo. They do. So if you want to grab one for yourself and want a sneaky 20% off discount, just <laughs> use the code COLDCOFFEE20 at onefinebaby.com.au. You're listening to a One Fine Baby podcast. One Fine Baby acknowledges the traditional owners of land and water that this podcast is recorded on and pays respect to elders past, present and emerging. How many times have you winced your way through that cold cup of coffee just for the caffeine kick? Or tripped over the same toy you've put away 10 times? We have toothpaste on our t-shirt and tiny humans screaming our name. The Cold Coffee Hot Mess Podcast is here to bring you the real side of parenting and serve up the juiciest survival hacks for this season of life that you can implement today. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome to the Cold Coffee Hot Hot Mess Mess Podcast. Podcast. And it's Olivia. And Nadine. And we are so happy to be in your room. We are very happy. (laughs) We're loving this. Oh, gosh, this is fun. The highlight of my week. Well, it's the highlight of my week spending all this time with you, Olivia. I bet it is. We're really getting to know each other. (laughs) On a deeper, more (laughs) formal level. Um, But tell me, how are you surviving school holidays? Oh, my God. It is. Do you know the mental load's hard enough, but I actually think the school holidays Mm. just takes that to a whole new level and the organization the multitasking the getting everyone involved from parents to friends to Mm. you know schools to camps to leaving work early 12 weeks of school holidays a year i want to know i need to be let's (laughs) give children 12 weeks off a year but let's give parents four like even if they both didn't take any time together we're still four weeks short it's not possible (laughs) it's crazy it's a nightmare um so yeah no it's difficult it Mm, really is there's no two ways about it but you just got to get through yeah this is me next year so i need all the tips yeah yeah, all the tips lordy so tell me actually practically how you're getting through (laughs) each day like do you are they going to camps i know there's like camps and stuff they can go to well it's sort of mixed up so as you know i try and give back with my parent friends and the family group Mm. so i'm trying to do play dates on mondays and fridays i've got a babysitter in today for example i've got my parents helping one day i'm taking an annual leave day next thursday so i can do that day and take them out i mean it's just to juggle yeah I've got something on oh every gosh. day but it's like I literally get home at night speak to Ed okay what's happening tomorrow that's all yeah. I can think about but I've yeah I've lined some play dates up on the Fridays to kind of give back to all those parents that help me out during the term so, yeah. yeah and you've got New York coming up and I've got New York coming up. I'm, I've been in overwhelm at the moment, so I'm just surviving. You are going to need to. But, you know, that yeah. hack about writing things out at night. I did mm. that last night in the notes and I wrote everything I was thinking about in my head and I slept really well. Oh, so amazing. That's helping me. That's good. That's amazing. I learned that from you. So anyway, back to reality. Mm-hmm. Let's go. What are you talking about today, Liv? Let's... Oh, we've got the modern midwife, Monique Maitland, and she's from the Midi Society. She's amazing she's leading the pathway in terms of like where midwifery is going mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we've got 10 things that every pregnant person should know and she's even going to bust a few myths yeah she's going to be debunking some myths yes. that's my favorite i love it all okay. right well, let's get into it no Woo. time to waste <laughs> So today we are so pumped because we have a very special friend from One Fine Baby with us today. Her name is Monique Maitland. She's from the Midi Society. She's a qualified midwife and nurse and she's delivered hundreds of babies. Hundreds. Hundreds. The Midi Society. I love that name. Yeah, isn't, isn't that cute? cool? Hi, Mon. 
Hi guys, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's amazing what you guys are doing and especially with all your one baby stuff. You're very I had Look at all this mutual love. <laughs> I know, but I had the pleasure of, I guess, meeting you guys face-to-face the other week at the Expo in Melbourne and mm. look where we are now. See, making it happen. Yeah. Aim for the stars, land on the moon, right? That's, <laughs> That's where we it. are. That's good. That's right, I'll take that live. Okay. So we've got an exciting one today. Yeah. We are myth debunking again. That's right. Popular topics. So popular. So there's a lot of myths around midwives, right? A lot of people have these very like archaic views yeah, about midwives. like really old school yeah. and, and, you know, they're judgmental mm. and mm. That they're going to like judge us on the decisions that we make and things. But it's not like that. It's not the Is case. it, Monique? No. And I guess I like to refer to myself as obviously I'm a registered midwife and nurse, but I like to say that yeah. I'm a modern day midwife in the way mm. that especially with what I'm doing with the media society and working with hundreds of women all the time, I've just seen how things don't often go the way that women, you know, I say in quotation marks, planned. And I see that things need to step away from the norm for some people and every woman needs to do what's best for her. And I guess as a society of women, we can be very judgmental about what often other Mm. women are doing. And I certainly see that birth is not one size fits all. There is not one mold that works perfectly for someone else. And that's what I'm very passionate about. Yeah, for sure. And that's the advice we keep receiving. You can go so far to plan your birth but you just have to accept that it may not go to plan yeah Mm. women always say should I make a birth plan and I actually Mm. try to refer to a birth plan as your birth wishes so creating you know a birth wishes list I don't like the word plan because there is so many different types of normals around birth and I Mm. think sometimes we go in with only one version of the blinkers on which we spoke about just before which is Um, totally me so I went in on my birth with my complete blinkers on I was just like I'm just going to trust the profession I'm not going to do any research whatsoever I don't want to know about any of the gore like you just make it happen and I am your worst client right is that what (laughs) you were saying before you're lucky that you didn't know me now (laughs) because I would have been like Nadine come on that is actually not the best thing to do but I totally understand why women do that and I think you were saying before it's because you have so much trust in like Mm. your health professionals caring for you and yep. the whole reason why I started doing what I'm doing today with, you know, obviously my childbirth education stuff, it's mm-hmm. because I see in the maternity system in Australia how quick women sort of get pushed through. And it's yep. the hard, but it's the truth of the modern day maternity system in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, my sister-in-law just gave birth and she was out that afternoon. She gave birth in the morning and she was out by 5 p.m. What, is she high? Why would she do that? Well, they just let her go. Like They were just like, yeah. I was there for like five days. I know. Like, well, I was going to check in. I needed my parking <laughs> extended. Well, we're talking to Holly in another episode, yeah, right. so we'll yeah. ask her all those questions. Yeah, please. Okay. But um, shall we get into the debunking of the myths? Definitely. Kick it off. This is a big one, okay? Midwives yeah. hate epidurals. That's what everyone thinks. Is that true? Yeah, only because they keep saying, no, no. You don't need yeah. no time. You're too far no time left. <laughs> <laughs> that is honestly one of the biggest questions that I get asked and certainly mm. educating a lot of parents these days. It's often the question is, when is it too late to get an epidural? And mm-hmm. the thing is, we are not trying to prevent you from getting the epidural. Literally, the only time that we're going to be like, I'm really sorry, but we can't get you the epidural yeah. is if you are about to birth your baby. Like, if And you what is that at? Is that 10 centimetres? Like, yeah. yeah, so we need to, the cervix to be 10 centimetres dilated for obviously your baby to pass and be born vagina. 
finally, but I'm talking like starting to see head on view. So we're yeah. able to visualize that the baby's head is close to being born. And of yeah. course, the whole process, so you have to set up the epidural, probably takes about 10 minutes to get one positioned. And then the extent of the epidural working is up to 20 minutes. So you can see how. So it's literally a time. There's no adverse reaction to getting it no. at that point. It's just literally like there's no point because the baby's going to be out. By and the you've time been through the in. pain. Yeah, literally. So it's more to get an epidural, you have to be so still sitting on a bed. Imagine, Mm. I mean. Which is hard, isn't it? (laughs) And I was going to say, the anaesthetist is often the woman's best friend when they walk into the room and they say, sit still. The woman will sit still. I promise you. I'm like, gosh, you've been moving around this whole When I saw my anaesthetist come through the door. Oh, it's like God. It was like seeing the Lord himself Mm -hmm. walking through the door. He had a halo. He was glimmering (laughs) around him. I was like. I don't even care about anything else in the world. I just yeah, want him do and me. I'll do whatever you want. Mm. I know. Just tell me. I'm like, I have been sifting your poo out of the bath and now you get out of the bath and <laughs> finally you listen to what they are saying and you wouldn't listen to me this whole time. And this person just walks in that your new best But he has the life. drugs, Mon. He has the drugs. <laughs> you got to understand. I know. I know. <laughs> or she. He or she has the drugs. See, that's yeah. the one thing I wish I had have known about, the poo coming out. No one told me mm. about poo coming out and I had no, no idea that No one told this... you? No one You really know. were under a rock. I really was. But my <laughs> yeah. midwife kept cleaning around my back and I'm like, what is she doing? And then it's like your poo is coming out. And I was like, I died with embarrassment. Like that was my yeah, Why would he tell you of, that? Well, well oh, here, I asked a question. Anyway, there we go. Okay, so but back to the epidurals. So it's the 10 centimetre mark is literally your baby's coming. You're pretty much sitting on their head. You can imagine no woman is going to sit still when their baby's head is starting to be born. It's not natural. It's just unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not going to happen. And I guess the other misconception with midwives, you know, not letting women get epidurals, it's if, you know, say I'm your midwife, you come in, you say, Mon, this is what I'm aiming to do for my birth. I really want you to support me to use all those, you know, non-pharmological pain relief relief options before I move down the pharmacological options of like morphine epidural, mm-hmm. for example. Mm. If a woman is doing so amazing and we know when a woman is coping well, you know, some women might be like, I'm not coping well, but we know when they are. Mm. So if your goal was to try and get through your birth without needing an epidural, of course, if we think it's appropriate, we're going to try and do everything we can to get you through it. But the Mm -hmm. moment a woman goes, I think I want an epidural, I'm not going, no, 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 you can't get it. Right. I want because I want her experience to be positive. And mm. there is, we know that there's a stigma associated with epidurals, right? Like, yeah, we know. Totally. What's the stigma? I, oh, like women who don't have one are like, I did it pain free. And it's oh, like, yeah. it's, it, and that in turn makes people, women who did get an epidural, feel like less than. Yeah, oh, yeah, I walked in backwards. Off, I got <laughs> Yeah. And I, I mean, that's why I mean, I'm realistic and we know epidurals, there's, there's pros and cons with any type of intervention. Okay. And epidural, mm. we can talk about epidurals for a whole hour. There are some risk factors of it in terms of, of you know, if you do get an epidural, you are at higher risk of having an assisted delivery. That's the reality of it. That's the facts. Mm. Um, but does that mean that we should prevent women getting it? No, because Mm. we're going to try and do everything we can to get them as far through their labor without one because we know that's the best thing for them and the progress of their labor. But the moment someone says, Mon, I 
I think I need the epidural now. That is my responsibility to do that because to get what's she going to do? Yeah, she's going to view her labor and birth as a positive experience. And exactly. it's not about me, it's about her. So I guess yeah. that, yeah, when midwives, we're there to support you. We're your best friend. Yeah. And I think that's important. I mean, look, I'm looking back at my birth with my daughter. I had a textbook birth, textbook pregnancy. Every hour they'd come in and check me and I was an, a centimetre further dilated. It was like running like clockwork. So great. It, for me, everything went downhill when I got the epidural. Her heart rate slowed. Um, I developed a fever and then I needed an assisted birth with um, forceps. And I just can't help but feel like if I had have maybe just pushed a little bit longer and just not had the epidural maybe things may have turned out differently but it's, it's just we'll good to know. have that hindsight and just kind of yeah and I guess think I, about it yeah and I guess that's why I'm so passionate about educating people because I've already sort of said it but if you do get an epidural you are it's like the first stage of a cascade of intervention yeah if you have mm. an epidural then you're more likely to be augmentated or um, with the hormone drip or your water's broken and from that mm. the cascade of intervention keeps going so it's just having that education it allows you to make the best decisions for yourself but you cannot say if I I wish that in hindsight maybe I didn't get that because you can't mm. change it now and we no. don't have we don't have control over it but I guess that's why midwives are still very passionate about trying to get women through their labour and birth physiologically, so without the need of, you know, epidurals mm. and things like that because we're trying to prevent those interventions, that cascade of yeah. interventions occurring. That's right. Yeah. I guess it's more just for number three potentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned before about the best friend. Like you do want to just be their best friend. How many best friends do you have? Like I remember when I saw my wee wife post, I was like, oh, can we be best friends? She was just like, hey, sure, uh, like if that's what you need. Uh, met I, will be, yeah. I, I will be anyone's best friend. I literally always say to women when I'm looking after them, I'm like, I'm like your pet dog. Like you tell me to sit, I'll sit. Like you tell me to roll over, I'll roll over. Like I'm a bad oh, smell. I don't think just anyone views you like a dog. <laughs> no, but I'm like, I am like a bad smell. I, am there I will you. follow you everywhere. Like yeah. you can tell okay. me what to do and I'll do it. Let's let's just um, follow on from that bad smell comment. So this is, we touched on this before, but you'll probably poo yourself. And do does the midwives, do they care about the poo or not? Like do you, like what's, yeah. what's a go there? Okay. embarrassing. If we think of physiologically what how our body is shaped, right? Think of mm. where your baby is passing through and passing through your bowel. It is going to be a normal physiological response for your body to clear out whatever is in the way to make more room for your baby. So I don't know a formal stat, but I would say nine out of ten women will poo in labour. And right. I am like I'm that like a poo me. fairy. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Oh yeah. But you are the poo, poo fairy. fairy. You are. Like we see it, we grab it, we glove it, we bin it. If you ask us, like, have you pooed? I will say no. You might smell something, but I will still say no. Like, you will lie odd. to us? That's so kind. Oh, that's awesome. Our husbands because didn't lie to us. Our husbands didn't, that's for sure. Oh, dear. And often that's why I say, you know, we've got the diffusers going. Like we've got good smells in the room and Honestly, if we say, if we hear a woman say, I feel like I need to poo, or we start to see that potentially yeah. <laughs> she's pooing, I can't tell you how internally happy I am. Like, that uh, is the best thing. Why? Because we, 
because we know your baby's head is so low down that that's where you're getting that pressure. And oh, it's a good sign. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's okay. amazing. That's what I mean. We love it. Like you should not be ashamed of it. it. Okay. Because <laughs> you, you understand why women are like, we're already legs around, yeah. up around oh, our yeah, head. We're... Like dignity's left at the door. All inhibitions. And then after all that, we're shitting ourselves. <laughs> Literally. I know. You know what I mean? Do, it's a lot. We do try to keep the dignity. And but that's <laughs> in terms of I try to, you know, structure it around a physiological response that it is yeah. normal for your body to do that. Mm. And also... Like when women think about pooing in labour, that's by far one of their biggest concerns. As a midwife, Mm. we don't care (laughs) (laughs) at all. Like I said, it's a good thing. But also another natural thing that your body's going to do before labour starts is it's going to clear out its system a little bit. It's like Mm -hmm, preparing for birth. So it's making more space for your baby. So often women will be going to the toilet before they go into labour. And also women aren't doing like massive poos when they're pushing, Mm. right? They're not. It's like small without being gross. It's like a small Mm. little nugget, you know, Mm. unless you've been eating some some stuff the night before. Um, I mean, we've seen it all. We really have. Yeah, very. Um, yeah. Curry. yeah, I think because they're I, trying to bring on labor, so they're eating. Oh, well, yeah, probably. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. I lost all dignity when my obstetrician told me they could drive a truck through there. That was me gone. So the poo started, and then that happened. Yeah, that was fun. It was fun. All right, let's get into the next one. So let's talk about midwives are in the room, and you probably see a lot of partners. You probably see a lot of partners that are really amazing. You probably see a lot of partners that are really crap, and they don't know what to do. So, what would you say, like? What should every couple know before they go into the birthing suite? How can the partner, what are the best partners you've seen? Mm. What can they do? So I think I'm just going to say it. Being a support person is probably Mm. the hardest, the hardest Mm. job you're ever going to play because you've got two people you care so much about. You've got, you know, your Mm -hmm. partner and then you've got this unborn baby, which you love so much, Mm -hmm. right? So all of a sudden there's two people in front of you who you adore more than anything. And the biggest thing that I see and what partners struggle with is because they haven't educated themselves around birth, they view their partner as being in pain. Mm. So a normal, like a woman in labor, contractions are amazingly powerful. They're intense. They're strong. That's what we need to have a vaginal birth. And seeing your partner look as though she's not comfortable or might be, I hate referring to birth as pain um, because I don't think it should be viewed as painful. It can be really hard. And that's often when the support person will go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, get her an epidural, right? Because they just totally they freak, freak out. out. They freak yeah. out. Why don't you think birth should be seen as painful? Because I think naturally, as soon as we say the word pain, so when I'm looking after a woman in labor, yeah. I will never refer to anything as pain. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you say the word pain, what do you do? Your brain holds on to that and goes, hey, yeah. am I in pain? Yes, I'm in pain. This is painful. I can't cope mm-hmm. with this. And you will see how her mindset will shift. So I say, we don't say the P word. We change it from pain to power. Like contractions yeah. should be viewed as powerful because yeah. we need strong regular getting shivers. That is such no, a shift oh in God. mindset. Honestly, that's a but, real, yeah, that's a nugget there. A golden one, not a, not <laughs> a one we're just talking about. <laughs> but um, honestly, oh, I just, I think for birth especially, we can paint a really poor picture of it. And me seeing women do it most days, like, 
they're powerful they're amazing and i think we'll talk mm. a bit later about you know why we need strong regular activity of the uterus to have a baby but going back to the support person yeah in terms of support people i've seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows i mean i've one I time a dad was so educated we were in we were it sounds really bad but the woman was in the shower the dad was in the shower supporting her and I was there as well and she was giving birth in the shower and we were so busy that I didn't have another midwife with me so I said look dad can you hold the torch he shunned the torch and he helped me birth and um, well, the woman birthed her baby but he helped me and he was so into it he loved it he was there to support her and I think that's what I'm saying is you can be involved as much as you want right yeah like yeah you can always find something to do you I always yeah. refer to the dad as like a cheerleader right mm. they're the ones that should be offering her food they're the ones that should be offering her words of encouragement they're the ones that should be encouraging her to go to the toilet but just mm. don't do nothing don't be the Not dad falling, that asleep. On, <laughs> falling asleep on his phone or yeah yeah don't move the car don't FaceTime friends don't call families I think it's just you need to be present in the moment and yeah, the woman clear. like although me and the woman will become best friends she loves you more than me right <laughs> besties like yes, oh, maybe not in this moment but yes generally <laughs> yeah not normally yeah we're just yelling at them <laughs> yeah but like um, you did so this just to, me. to deal with it you did it this is, to me yeah you did this to me it must be yeah, a pretty hard position to be in like mm. we're like we're never going to be in that position so yeah I, I also <laughs> no not that I'm aware no. of. I also say as a support person and this is what I teach people in my classes that the hardest thing is probably when you know women have educated themselves they've for example gone I'm going to try and do everything I do not want an epidural and then they get into the birth suite and they go I want an epidural and as a support person you've gone but you've told me for the last mm. nine months that that's oh, not that what must you be wanted. so hard to deal with the, us oh my mm. gosh so. I think I always say to the men that you have to validate the way that she's feeling. You can't say no, like, no, you're okay, right? Because that's just dismissing how she's feeling. Mm. You have to say to her, I know this is really challenging right now, but this is what we've spoken about and give her another yeah. example of maybe we should try this instead before we do that. But just yeah, come with solutions, her. right? Yeah. Yeah. Come armed with solutions. So what would be your top tips to a support person? If you were talking to, you know, your brother-in-law or someone like that, what yeah. would you tell them? So I always say, just like women, you know, we have a labor toolkit. A support person needs a support toolkit. You need mm -hmm. to know what role you're going to play on the day prior to that day coming in terms of you need to know if your partner likes massage, where are the spots that you're massaging? How are you going to do it? Because if you don't practice these things and you go in going, yeah, I'll be fine, and you touch mm. her, she's going to tell you to piss off within a second, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it's just surround yourself with birth. I think as males, we just walk in very even more blindsided than a so lot of much. women. Mm. yeah but often it's it's really challenging so it's knowing that you actually need to educate yourself validate her emotions first whenever she says something and then comfort her but then offer her a solution and work with her okay so not just dismissing the way that she's feeling is really mm -hmm. important and be involved as much as you can 
because there is yeah. a lot as a support person you can do. And if you feel like you don't know what to do, you ask your midwife as well. Yeah, such good advice. So I guess now with, you know, modern day birthing and how you operate, is it is it true that it would it, midwives don't go in with a preconceived idea of how this birth is going to go, that midwives are constantly checking in on mum, checking in on baby to see how they're going, and then the course of action is kind of altered according to how everyone's going, would you say? Yeah. Well, I always say as soon as a woman walks into the room, right, I'm automatically going to be telling myself that she's going to do amazing. This is, you know, we're going to still strive for a normal vaginal birth, which is going to Mm -hmm. be an empowering experience. But we know birth can shift and it can change and it's how do we adapt to that. And there's many reasons for why birth can go down different avenues. But as a midwife, like it's, it's my role to look after you and to look after your baby. So Mm -hmm. you both are my patients, right? I'm constantly Mm -hmm. monitoring the mum, constantly monitoring the baby. And depending Mm -hmm. on how those two things are coping together is going to determine what course of action we're going to take. So I guess like routine observations for a midwife is this is why I mean we follow you around. We're like we are your best friend because we're never far away. We'll give you your no. space, but mm. we're, we're never far away because the hardest thing as a midwife is, and it's not probably until you've had a baby that you realise how much midwives actually do. But yeah. <laughs> we do a heck of a lot. And making sure you are safe and your baby is safe is our ultimate priority. So we're Mm. constantly checking your baby's heart rate, which I said, but also we're monitoring your uterine activity. So we're seeing how often is your uterus contracting? You know, is it Mm -hmm. contracting enough for us to have a vaginal birth or potentially is it a bit lower and we need to boost it? You know, things like that or pain management. Can we offer you solutions? Can we offer you Mm -hmm. to get into the shower, in the bath? And then I guess your more internal sort of assessment to your vaginal examinations. Mm -hmm. And most women will get offered a vaginal examination within two hours of going into a birthing suite, okay? And the thing about vaginal examinations is once you've had one and you have a dilation status, so referring to how open your cervix is, you're sort of plotted on a labor graph right right that's the challenging thing that once you've had it you're on that graph and we use our research to go if they're in active labor they should be in this many hours this many centimeters from that point and that's the back end of the hospital going okay yep she's going to be potentially fully dilated at this point she'll be pushing by this point we should have a baby at this point and then next person come in right Mm -hmm. that's the truth of the hospital setting um but routinely depending on how many centimeters dilated you are most often we're offering a vaginal examination every four hours throughout labor yeah I love that you said that because when I was in labor with my first I called up on the phone the hospital answered and I said you know I'm in labor and she gave she said oh you know is this your first love I was like yes yes it's my first she's like oh call me back in a few hours she didn't really check in on that and I was already in active labor and Mm. I had to listen to my own gut and as soon as I got in and saw the midwife she was like oh wow we're ready to go like it's it's happening so yeah, it's funny that you say the hospital have a predetermined like um, backtracking sort of setup process. Yeah, process. Graph. Mm. Oh, that's good to know. Um, can we just touch on that though? Because another another kind of myth <laughs> is that, and I don't know if this could be a myth or it might not be a myth, but basically when you call to let your midwife know that you're in labour, 
they gauge the sound of your voice to determine if you are actually needing to come into the hospital or if you've got a few more hours of pre-labor at home before you actually need to come in. Is that true? Okay, this isn't a myth. This is this is true. Ooh, want to know the answer to that question? I know I did when I was in labor. This episode is so juicy and packed full of amazing midwife insights that we've split it into two episodes. So tune in next week to discover whether you really need to ham it up when you're in labor or if that's just bananas.